Let's go to Philippians tonight. So as a reminder tonight, we will hand out our annual financial report. I'll have some slides to go along with that. So we're going to end the preaching portion fairly quick. We're just going to cover some thoughts from verse 1 of chapter 4. So we'll do that here at the end. I'll be mindful of our time. All right, Philippians chapter 4 tonight. We concluded chapter 3 last week, and we inched our way into chapter 4 by briefly considering a little bit from verse 1. But let's read verses 1 through 7. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Euodius and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other, and with other my fellow laborers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord alway, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Amen. As a reminder... Chapters and verses are not Holy Ghost inspired. They have been added for our benefit of being able to find our place in the Word of God. And what a blessing that is. It would not be fun if we all had to find our place in a scroll. And anyway, so when we start a new chapter, it's not necessarily a new thought. And the word therefore in verse 1 clearly is tying this back to what has been stated at the close of chapter 3. And so therefore, or because of, I believe, Philippians 3.20, because we are citizens of a heavenly country, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, stand fast in the Lord. And that's how I closed last week, by just encouraging us to stay with it. Stay faithful. Let's live with eternity in view. And we see Paul's affection for the Philippians here. In verse 1, he twice calls them his dearly beloved. He calls them his brethren and he says he longed for them, meaning he yearned to be with them because he greatly loved them. And I don't want to really dwell on this thought because we've covered this earlier in this letter, but Paul went through a great deal to, to see this church established. And you can imagine how it made him feel um, encouraged to keep going and all those things when, he's, when he knew that this church was still functioning. Long story short, while he was in Philippi, he had to deal with a demon-possessed woman that kept following them around, the Bible says, for many days and just kind of nagging. <clears throat> Maybe that's not the best word to attach to a woman. Um, she just kept saying stuff. <laughs> all right, I'm digging a hole there. Let's just stop. Um, and so Paul finally had enough. He cast the demon out of her. Well, when her master saw that she was a, a soothsayer, when they saw that their hope of gain was gone, they then took Paul and Silas before the magistrates, saying that these men are stirring up the city and they're teaching things that were not lawful to observe and, and things of that matter. And so 
they end up beating Paul and Silas. And, and so they got beat. They got thrown into the inner room of the prison, the Bible says. And at midnight, they decided to pray and to sing praises to God. A great earthquake happened. The doors of the prison open up. Their bands are loosed. And the jailer wants to kill himself. Don't kill yourself. We're all here. And the jailer said, what must I do to be saved? And so he ended up getting saved. His whole house got saved. And, and so this, this church in Philippi, just think about their beginning. It's remarkable. It was a, a woman named Lydia was the first convert. And from that, the, the jailer, he gets saved. So you've got Lydia, and then you've got a Roman jailer, and that's the beginnings of this church. Very humble beginnings and very painful beginnings for, for Brother Paul. And so as he's writing this letter, you can imagine he's, he's got all this on his mind, and the fact that this, all that he went through, this church has a very special place in his heart. And so much so, he calls them his joy and crown. You know, John wrote in 3 John verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And so as a man who started this church, and now he's seeing all these that have multiplied and they're walking in truth, what a blessing that would have been to him. And I'm thankful I've been able to visit Preacher Williams a little bit over the last month and um, just to hear him be excited for where our church is at and where we're heading. And I know that's a joy to him. And so just think about the generation that has gone before us as we go forward as a church. So anyway, Paul here, he's joyful about it. He, he calls them his crown. These were the proofs of his ministry. And to Paul, the converts were more valuable than earthly riches, than any earthly crown he could get. The fact that he had converts and, and he was seeing churches established, it was these, these believers were like precious stones that would be set into a crown. They were an ornament of grace and a crown of glory. 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20 says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? For ye are our glory and joy. And so Paul, Paul knew those that he reached with the gospel were, were not only his joy in this life, but the day was coming when Christ was going to return, and, and that was going to be his joy then, the fact that he had something to show for his life. Yeah, we're getting to a point here, right? He had something to show for the fact that he had lived upon this earth, spiritually. And, and so he knew that when the Lord would come and, 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 and Christ will put down all rule and authority and power, and, and as he stands as our sovereign king, we'll be standing as victors as well. And we'll be crowned with rejoicing with the souls that we've reached for Christ. And so here's the challenge tonight before we go to our financial meeting. Will you be able to rejoice when our Lord returns? Will there be jewels in your crown? Revelation twenty two twelve. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. There's a reward. We ought to work like it. So do you have proofs of your ministry tonight? Do you value souls enough to go after them? We can't save them. That's the Holy Spirit's job. But we are charged to plant and to water. 
And so you may not necessarily have the privilege of seeing somebody come to Christ or, or you be, be there when that happens, but you can have a part in a lot of people coming to know Christ. You can do that by working at our print ministry. I used to say, Lord, please let me reach millions of people. And I always thought that was a little outlandish until I moved here and we had the press ministry and then your hands go through hundreds of thousands of John and Romans. And you pray over every one of those, Lord, please let this reach the hand of a needy sinner. And we're reaching souls. Amen. We reach souls by handing out our, our cards, by doing the door hangers, um, all, all kind of ways we're planning, we're, we're watering um, through your Sunday school classes, your bus ministries, all these things. And, and just know that there's going to be a reward day. And if you are fortunate enough to, to quote-unquote, lead somebody to the Lord, then understand that it's usually because somebody else earlier was faithful to plant the, the seed of the Word, and then somebody else was faithful to keep watering that, and then one day God allows it to, to come to harvest. And so let us labor while it is still day. The night's coming when no man can labor. So we must work while we have life. There is a day of rest coming. It's an eternal day of rest, but we have to labor to enter into that rest, Hebrews says. John 4, 34 and 35, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are, four, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. In the harvest field now ripen, there's a work for all to do. Hark, the master's voice is calling to the harvest, calling you. Amen. Little is much when God is in it. And I hope you're not going to be ashamed when our Lord returns, wishing you had done more. Let's be about our Father's business. And speaking of our Father's business, we're going to say goodbye to those watching online, and we're going to go to our financial report and take care of that as some annual house cleaning. Amen. So let's pray, and then we'll go to our financial meeting.